Hello and welcome to episode 166 of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and I have an album for you guys today that you may not have heard of. It seems like most people would know this album just because of the people that were on it. However, I never see it talked about when I've brought it up to people, they've never heard of it. And it seems to be a lot more rarer than I think it would be. Now, before we get into the album, I want to let you know, I did promise you guys this week that I would be digging into Lee Kerslake's last album, Eleventeen. I have had a bit of a scheduling conflict with my guests, so I am planning on releasing a double episode next week to keep things on schedule. I'll be doing one episode for Lee Kerslake's Eleventeen and then another episode for Ken Hensley's My Box of Answers, both um, wonderful albums. I've listened to each of them once. It was difficult to do from an emotional perspective, not because I didn't think the music would be good or anything like that. I, I fully expected it to be fine. It was more a matter of just that concept of these are the last releases from these people who I have spent my life, you know, listening to. And it was it was a little tough from from that perspective just to get myself to listen to it. I, I was excited to hear the music. I was really anxious and, and, and all that. But it was just more that overlying, this is the last first time I'm going to have with these guys. Now, of course, there's always the chance that, um, you know, something will be discovered in an archive someday. Who knows? But not being able to count on that. These are the final releases that were, you know, that were made by these guys. So there was a certain emotional side of things to that. But I do love both albums very dearly. I think they're very well done. And I'm really looking forward to digging into those with you guys next week. Now, the album that we're here to talk about today is by Screaming Lord Such, also known as Lord Such. This album was also released as Screaming Lord Such and Heavy Friends. I, I'm guessing he means heavy as in instrumentalist, not as in like weight, because they're not at all. Uh, now, it was recorded in 69, released in 1970. So when we're looking at the production value of this, we have to keep that in mind because it was definitely in that period. You can hear that in the recording. You can hear it in the mix and the mastering. I like the way it sounds, but I really think that this album for me is one of those things that I've just been listening to it so long that the sound is just part of it. And I don't necessarily know that I have the most objective opinion on the recording because of that. So I want to be fair about that when I say it up front. But if there are things I don't like or, or I especially like, of course, I'm going to let you know. But I think it's fair to say that my opinion might be slightly askew because, you know, I, I know this album very well. I feel kind of like, I don't know if more responsible for it because it seems like less people know about it that I should share this all. I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing. You know, when you have your favorite bands and you're like, nobody really likes this band but me. And then you find out like two billion people across the world love that same band. You kind of lose that. I, I'm the only one in the room kind of feel. But with an album like this that literally no one talks about, I kind of feel like I'm the, you know, the one in the middle of the room that everybody's looking at. So I'm really excited to share this with you guys. I hope you're going to like it. It uh, it definitely has a, uh, a a distinctive personality to it, which I very much like, you know, to be quite honest. Now, I said that people, it would seem to me that people should know this album. Now, it does have a, a lengthy cast of musicians playing on the album. 
uh, first and foremost, we have the man himself, Screaming Lord Such, on lead vocals. So, you know, he had a certain following. So I, I don't really know where he is in the world of popularity these days, but he certainly had his own following. Um, on acoustic and electric guitar, as well as backing vocals and producing the album, we have Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. So right there, I'm like, why don't more people know about this album or talk about this album? Uh, we also have on electric guitar on certain songs, we have Jeff Beck. On drums, we have a, another Zeppelin alumni. We have John Bonham, you know, one of the most famous drummers in history. And on piano, we have Nicky Hopkins. On additional guitar, we have Kent Henry. On bass guitar, we have both Noel Redding and Rick Brown. On lead and bass guitar, we have Daniil Edwards. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It's D-E-N-I-E-L Edwards. On bass guitar, we have Martin Cole. On drums, we have Carlo Little and Bob Metke. So we have, you know, a pretty good cast of people here. So again, it begs the question, why don't people talk to this album, talk about this album? Why don't they refer to it more often? I just don't hear any chatter about it, even among my friends that are pretty knowledgeable in the business. When I've asked them about this album, they've not heard of it. So I find the whole thing really fascinating. I don't know why. Um, it would seem like nowadays when people really research their artists and their back catalogs and all the side projects that they did, it seems like this would be a little more known, or maybe it's just in, in the, you know, within the circles that I have that it doesn't happen to be known in, you know, in the, in the greater scope of the world, people do know about it. I, I take that as very highly possible. So, uh, of course in the show notes, I do have the links where you can get it on iTunes and Amazon. I also have the uh, the list of musicians in there. Now I'm going to be fair and say, I got the list of musicians off of Wikipedia. I can't guarantee that it's hundred percent accurate, but from what I remember and what I was able to piece together, it seems like a pretty comprehensive list. So, uh, that is in the show notes available for you guys. Now, uh, again, I said that this was recorded in 69 and released in 70. So when we're talking about the sound quality of the album, the mixing of it, you know, we're, we're really talking early rock and roll before engineers really figured out how rock and roll should sound. They were pretty close. They were on the cusp. But even during those early albums in the 70s, there were definitely things that could have been done better. It was a pretty experimental time because really, you know, the, the style of distortion and the, the miking of amp techniques and all that for guitars was changing a little bit. And it just, it was a thing that was a little bit experimental as far as the mixing goes, which is why you hear such varied mixes through that time. But, you know, as, as albums have gone on to be remixed and remastered, those that had quality original analog tapes that they could find all the songs and all the parts um, have gotten some new treatment over the years and, and been remixed to kind of the way that we do things in more modern times. But back in the day, it was pretty experimental. So uh, I say we just get into it. We're going to hear how it sounds. We're going to feel this album out one song at a time. There are 12 songs in total. The first one starts with a song called Waylon Sounds. The album title is Smoke and Fire. And here we are. Gonna 
So let's talk about the production first. It's very weird to me to have all the drums all the way over in my right ear. I mean, there's there's no balance. There's no kick in the center, snares slightly off to one side, hi-hats even further, uh, crash cymbals panned on different ears. There's there's none of that right now. It's It's all in my right ear, along with one of the solo guitars. And then in my left ear, I've got the vocals and another guitar, and I can't barely hear the bass. But that's what I mean. Like, it was just a completely different time as far as the way that music was mixed. And I get this a lot with Uriah Heep, the way they pan the guitars and the vocals and the organ and that sort of thing. But it's, uh, it's a good song. I love Lord Such's voice. I think it's, it's perfect for this kind of music. There are certain things that are just perfect for voices like his. And this kind of music is it. Music that kind of like some of the stuff Tony Ashton was saying, I think, I think Lord Such would be really perfect for as well. Um, music that's really not meant to be taken too seriously. You know, he's he's not got a strong rock and roll voice, but his voice fits a certain type of music. And I think he's really nailed here exactly what it's suited to. Um, the guitars sound really good. Very late 60s sound to them with that reverb and delay, just the way that they are are mixed in there. It's kind of a little bit of overkill. You're losing a little bit of the dynamics, but again, 1969, that's what was going on. I don't think it sounds bad by any means. Even by today's standards, it's not bad, but it's just a little bit different from what you're used to. You know, you're used to a more full and rich sound, which I think they've got the tracks for. It's just all in the way that that they chose to mix it. So it's really interesting to hear an album like this where the, the music is not far off but it's just the production is done so differently that it feels like a completely different world that this album comes from in its in its own way. But performance-wise, I think it's fantastic. I think it's a great song to start the album. It defines the the sound and the feel of the album very well. It's kind of heavy. It's kind of a, you know, a big song, but it's not fast, it's not pounding. It's just like a great introduction to the album and uh I think it was a, a good choice to put on there. Uh, the next song is called Cause I Love You. You know, it's it's hard not to think of a slowed down version of You Really Got Me by The Kinks when I hear this. It seems very similar, uh, not a ripoff, but but it has a, a very similar feel to it. And the lyrical content, you know, the whole point of the song is basically the same. Like you, I want you, you know, come on, come on over. Um, but it's a good song. I like the beat. I really like the cowbell in there. Guitars sound really good. Again, I'm not hearing a lot of bass in this mix. But uh, it's a it's a strong effort and one that I really do enjoy, despite that, you know, initial um, thought of the kinks. But, you know, like 30 seconds or so into the song, I pretty much forget about that. And I just I'm able to listen to just what I'm hearing. And uh, it, it's a good song. It's got a really nice groove to it. It's very powerful. And even though the mix 
kind of makes this the song a little bit weak because you don't have a lot of bass, you don't have a lot of kick drum pushing in here, which I would like to feel on this song. I would really like to feel that kick drum hitting my chest. Um, maybe I haven't seen a remastered version of it. Maybe there's one out there that I just didn't happen to stumble across, but uh, I would like to see a different mix of this song. I think it would be 10 times more powerful if it was just remixed uh, uh, with a few subtle changes to it. But I love that 60s sounding guitar um, I think it sounds kind of dated even for 69, but it, it, but I like it because, but I like those early to mid sixties guitar sounds too. Um, that's just a, a taste I've always had maybe because of just the music I listened to growing up. I don't know, but, uh, yeah, it's a good song. It's definitely one worth listening to. The next song is what I remember being the first song I heard from this album, um, it's one that I really love. I love the the style and the sound of it, and it's called Flashing Lights. I love the guitars on this song. I love that, uh, you know, going from the higher to the low. I love that tremolo that's on there. That sounds really good in the delay. I like the, what they've done with the vocals, too, because you kind of have the vocals in the middle, but then you've got um, a, a delay that's going from the left to the right ear, which is really interesting. It only hearing different parts of it. It's kind of separated in a very bizarre way. But I really like it. I like that separation. I think it really works for the song, especially with the way the guitars sound. Uh, love the drum beat on this song. It gets uh, a little more interesting as the song goes on. There's a couple of really nice changes in it. Don't want to spoil that for you. I'd rather encourage you to go check it out for yourself. Just put the headphones on and listen to the song. It's really good. But it's always been one of my favorites to uh, listen to and to play. My brother and I used to play this song quite a bit when we would rehearse in, in the basement in our house in Michigan. And uh, I've always loved it. He had a guitar that uh, had a, a bunch of different effects kind of built into the guitar. So it had, I think, like a chorus and a reverb and a delay and all that. But it had a tremolo button that actually was able to simulate the sound of this song pretty well, as I recall. Or maybe it didn't. And that was just my imagination. But in any case, I uh, had a lot of fun playing and listening to it. So uh, it is one of my favorites. And maybe it will be one of yours, too. I don't know. I hope so. Now, the next song that we have is called Gutty Guitar. Well, it definitely had an ominous opening to it. You know, you kind of felt like uh, something 
big or something dangerous was coming. And then it just got kind of all happy and bouncy. And um, it's a, it's an interesting song. There's a, a piano, if you could hear it kind of far in the background. This song really, well, I should say this mix, not this song, really mostly features the the vocals and the guitar with a little bit of that piano coming through. Um, even the drums are really kind of subdued in this mix. But uh, I love the sound of the guitars. It's kind of like, I don't, I don't know what the exact term for that style would be, but I think of like... Um, almost like the theme to the Munsters, only a little bit happier. Um, is the Munsters the right one? Or was it the other one? I can't remember now. I think it's the Munsters I'm thinking of. But it just has, you know, just a, a really cool guitar style to it. And I think it works really well with the vocals. The problem I have with it, again, going back to the mix, is that the guitars are kind of overriding the vocals a little bit. And I feel that they should be at least slightly underneath the vocals or maybe split uh, mix wise into different channels so that they can both kind of shine. But I, overall, I really would have mixed it with the vocals, at least uh, slightly higher than the guitars, because the vocals are what should always be featured if there's, if there's words. I mean, if there's like ahs and oohs and, and vocalizing and stuff like that, and not actual lyrical content, then I would say that would be up for grabs. That would depend on the song. But if there's actually story being told, that should always be up in, in the front, in the foreground. So, uh, you know, every engineer is going to do it their own way, but that's, that would be my preference of how I would mix it. Obviously, I wasn't hired to do this, but I also wasn't born yet. So I don't think I would have been a candidate. But I do like the song itself. Um, the piano that, that's being played in the background is really nice. It's, it's some really nice playing. It's just kind of hard to hear. Um, again, bass is really muted. So um, it's it's tough to you know, really be able to dig into how great this song is, because I have a feeling that so many of the dynamics that we could be hearing are lost, that we don't get the full potential of the song. But what we do get is good. I, I, I will say that. I, I really like what I hear. Um, it isn't my favorite song in the album, but it is a, a great song to me. Next up, we have, well, this is one of my favorites. Uh, it's called Would You Believe? So on this one, I can hear the bass a little bit better way into my left ear, and it, it just sounds good and raw, which I think really does work for a song like this with this kind of guitar sound to it. I think the guitar and vocal levels are mixed a lot better on this song. Uh, the drums are very interesting, but again, since they're all in my right ear, it, it just feels weird to... Uh, the whole thing just feels unbalanced to me, but but... The performance of it, I love. I love this song. I love the writing of it. Um, I think it's very well suited to would have been great on radio or or something. Um, I don't know if any of these songs were released for commercial purposes beyond just the album per se, but I will say that I think that this would have been a good choice or a good contender to have released as a single. But it's just got that 
feel to it that as soon as it's over, I just want to hear it again. You know, there's a there's some really good parts in it. There's a couple of uh, changes that I really like throughout the song. And, you know, as, as we were transitioning, as that part faded out there, um, you could hear it was transitioning into yet another part that uh, I really like. I love the way the drums feel on that. Very common for the day, but uh, stands out well in this song. And uh, yeah, that's that's one of my favorites for sure. That and um, um, Flashing Lights and then one other one that we're going to get to towards the end of the album. And of course, you know, I'll point that out when we get there. Don't worry that you're going to miss it because I'll, I'll tell you. But the other thing I want to point out is the, the backing vocals on this are really great. I love the uh, the flow of them. I love the way that they contrast the lead vocal, yet they all come together at the end of the chorus. Uh, that's really cool, but it sounds really good. Um, something that I really enjoy in the song. And now we are going to get to the title track of the album, which would have been the last song on side one, if I recall properly. Song number six, Smoke and Fire. So here's something interesting. Now the drums are a little more centered where they're supposed to be, you know, not not perfectly panned, but definitely sound closer to what you would expect normally. But that's weird because we've been hearing the drums in the right ear. Now, all of a sudden, they're they're where they should be kind of throws off the album. If you're going to start something one way, um, unless you're doing it for an effect in the song, then uh, it, it gets really weird that when the album is not consistent in that that same way. Um, but I do love the guitar riff to this song. It's very simple, but sounds really good. I love what they did with the vocals where it's, you know, it really feels like they were just sitting there on the knob of the delay, just turning it up and down and up and down because we're getting, you know, delay and then very little delay and then no delay and then more delay in the vocals. So it really seems like they were riding that effect level quite a bit. Um, but it's it's cool. I really like the variety of it there. And of course, you know, there are a couple other parts in the song that we didn't get to hear, but uh, certainly ones that I I thought are enjoyable. It's a great track for a title track. It's a great way to end that first side. And uh, I think it's a strong, strong song for this album. Um, I could have also seen this being an album opener. Although I think Waylon Sounds was good. I think they could have opened with this as well and had a, a really strong start to the album. But yeah, cool song for sure. And now we're going to flip the album over and get to side two and play a little song called Thumpin' Beat. Now, these songs may sound like they're very simple, but the fact of the matter is 
1969 when these were written and recorded. So remember that we didn't have all the music that we've had since then. And back then, music, a lot of times those riffs were written very simply. There was a lot more soloing going on and, uh, and, and the flavors would come there. But it was really about having a good riff, a good vocal line, a good beat to back it up. And I think they nailed all those things here. I love, you know, riffs that are simple but sound really good. And I think this is one. I think if they had played it in any higher key, I think it wouldn't have been quite as good. I think they found really the right key for this song. And uh, it's just a, a very powerful riff. You know, it sounds, again, it sounds kind of thin because you really don't have that beefiness in the guitar that we're so used to hearing now. You know, even in the distorted guitars, between the guitar and the bass, they're they're really thickening things up. And it's just not something that we're hearing in the mix. So it doesn't seem to have the same power that it would. But I can tell you that the performances themselves are definitely there. I think if it had been recorded and mixed the way most albums are, I think that you would have heard that without a doubt in these songs. I think they're every bit as powerful as, as the other stuff that we know, but you're just not hearing it because of the way that the uh, recording was done. But it's a good song. Another strong vocal delivery from Lord Such. Great guitar riff. Um, really good uh, start for the second side. And next up, we have Union Jack Carr. You know, I'm not a big fan of that kind of stopping and starting, or at least that excessive amount of stopping and starting. But it works on the song. I think if, uh, you know, if it were any more, I think I would probably be annoyed with it. But for some reason, I seem to like it in the song. And I, I think part of it is that instead of it being let in, you know, on the one by the kick drum, it's actually preceded by a snare hit that is very well placed and kind of makes it flow a little earlier than that full stop time that you would normally receive. And I think that really helps me at least push it through. Um, but again, you know, the, the, the drum mix is, is different and um, it, it's a strong song, a little more bluesy for my taste. Um, but the lyrics make it fun and Lord Such makes it fun, whereas I don't like this one musically as much as some of the others. But it's still a good song. I don't skip it when I listen to the album. Um, I just let it play because I, I do enjoy it. But, you know, something's going to be the weakest song on the album. And for me personally, it's this one, but still a good song. Just the weakest of the album for me. Next up, we have a little song called Once For You, Baby. Baby, you just don't want my love. You just don't seem to want my love anymore. 
Well, Roger Glover said it, and it is true. It's always good to have a shuffle on a rock album, and this one really feels good. I love the snare work on this. I love the uh, the feel of it. I think it's very well done dynamically on the drums. Guitars are very simple, you know, just a simple blues. Same with the vocals. There's nothing um, extremely impressive on on this song for me. It's just a very straightforward, simple song, and that's okay. Not every song has to be something that blows everything out of the water. That's fine. Sometimes you need a good song to just kind of lay back and not have to, you know, lean forward into the song. You can just kind of, you know, kick back and, and enjoy it as it plays. Um, if you like a good blues shuffle, I would say this would be a great song for you to check out. The next song on the album, we're hitting song number 10 now, is called L-O-N-D-O-N. And while that does spell London, and we all know that spells London, they actually put dashes in between all the letters. And I don't know if that was for any other reason other than the way that it's performed, as you will hear. But um, yeah, kind of interesting. And here it is. Yeah, I love that growlishness in the vocal on this song. I'm glad the whole album isn't like that, but I think it's uh, it's it's a really great technique to use on this song. I I think the guitars are really nice, but I'm not hearing a lot of reverb. It's almost kind of a you know at least in the beginning it was a little bit more dry. It had the delay on it, but the reverb just wasn't really there. So it kind of felt like I was in a, a you know a well soundproof room a little bit, and um, you know that's that's the reason that. Um, I, I think it's nice to record outside of the studio sometimes and get a more live sound and feel using, you know, a little more natural room reverb as opposed to having to put it on at the end. Um, but that's not what they did. They went a little more straightforward on this one. And I think it I think it's OK. I think it just um, would be nice to have a little bit more reverb at, that, at the beginning and give that part a little bit more depth. But it's a great vocal, good, solid drum playing. Um, yeah, a nice, simple guitar which I think is fine and uh, a good song overall. And I still don't know why they spelled it out in the title, but um, maybe someday I'll get an answer to that. So now we get to song 11, Brightest Light. And this is my other favorite song on the album. So we had Flashing Lights, Would You Believe, and Brightest Light. Uh, these are the, the three songs that I've probably, well, I should say easily have listened to the most on this album because I would just put those songs on like, compilation tapes and stuff and um and listen to them so uh here it is brightest light You still don't let you realize 
And we're back to having the drums all in the right ear again, which I I just don't understand that decision. It, It really baffles me. I can't imagine that any of the drummers said, you know, I want to be able to recognize the songs that I played in. So just go ahead and throw all my shit over into your into the right ear. I, I just I can't see that being a thing. So I'm pretty baffled as to why it was mixed the way it was. But in any case, it's a great song. This is one of the songs where I really do pay attention to the lyrics. I think the message is fantastic. I think a lot of the the lyrical phrasings are are really beautiful. There's some powerful words in this song. I love the guitars on it too. Um, I love the opening um, with, I, th- I think that's an oboe at the beginning. It just, it just has a, a nice somber feel to it. That's kind of turns into it not being somber. It's kind of optimistic, but at the same point, it just has like a, a certain warmth to it and a certain array of hope, I think is, is what I'm trying to say. But it's it's one that's always been, you know, from the first time I heard it, I'm like, I love this song. And there's some really nice parts in it, too, with uh, backing vocals where the drummer is riding the uh, crash cymbal a little bit and some really nice surprises in this song. So this is another one I would highly suggest that you guys go and check out. If you don't have this album already, um, you know, I would I would get it. I would add it to my collection because Bizarre Mix Aside it is a damn good album. I think the writing holds up. I think the performances hold up. I just think the mix could be better. So that is Brightest Lights. And that leads us into our Brightest Light. I'm sorry. That leads us into our final track, Baby Come Back. Uh, how's about everybody out there in this land bending your ear over here? And how's about everybody listening to what I'm about to say? Let me tell you about my girlfriend Now she's a dog She's so good looking And that there's nothing wrong I'm gonna see her today If I just get my way Now she can be a Now this is another very straightforward uh, very common musical song but there's something about the way they've affected the guitars. I love the wah pedal being used on there a little bit, just very tastefully. Love the delay and the reverb on the guitars. Um, the vocals are really kind of playful on the song, I feel, just in the in the delivery, not necessarily the words themselves, but the way that they're delivered. And it's got a great chorus, a really powerful. It's a strong way to end the album. Um, and, and again, I think that if there were... Uh, if there was a theme that I would say this album would be, uh, you know, summed up by, it would probably be beauty and simplicity. None of these songs are particularly difficult. Um, I think there's some really nice stuff in them, but would I say any of them are groundbreaking? Um, no, but I would say that they, most of them r- just feel really good. They're just all really enjoyable to listen to. I think it's a great album overall, great performances, very solid. I don't feel like anything in the production was cheap. Um, Despite everything I've said about the mix being weird, and it is weird, um, you know, even for the the late 60s, early 70s, to have all your your drums panned to one ear is just bizarre. And then to have another song where it's not, and then two songs where it is, and it's it's just kind of all, all over the place. So I really don't understand the mix on this, but... I will say I love the tones. I love the recording of it. I love the way that the guitars sound. Um, I like the way the bass sounds when I can hear it. I think uh, it's strong. I know there's some keyboard and organ tracks and and piano that we're probably just not really hearing. Um, 
And, you know, I'm only playing clips of the song, so maybe there's things that appear later that would stand out a little more. I, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think it's a good album. I think it's one that's well worth listening to. If you can take the uh, the mix and just kind of, um, you know, let that go and just focus on the song and the music, what's being played, how it's being done, and just really focus on the performance and the writing side of it, I think you'll really enjoy the album. If you're like me and you get stuck in the, um, you know, the technical side of things, sometimes I have a hard time with that. Sometimes I'm able to put it aside. And for some reason with this album in general, I'm able to put it aside. I talked about it in this podcast because I wanted to point that out to you guys. But as far as, you know, when I sit down and listen to the album, I don't notice it as much. In fact, I had forgotten about some of that stuff until I started, um, you know, preparing the clips for the show. So it's uh, it's a good album. It's got some great players on it. I mean, you can't go wrong with Jetpack, uh, you know, Jimmy Page, Jeff Beck, um, John Bonham. You just can't. I mean, you're going to get magic when when you put those guys together, and then you get Screaming Lord Such on top of that, and you're going to get something good. You might not like everything on it, but you're definitely going to get some songs that you do like at the very least. So thank you guys for hanging out. I think this has been a fun album to listen to. Go check it out. You know, go and uh, and listen to the whole thing and see what you think and purchase it if you like it. Like I said, the links to your iTunes and Amazon options are in the show notes. I'm sure there are plenty of other places to get it as well. But uh, I'm kind of disappointed that there's been no remaster on this. Um, maybe there will be at some point. That would really be nice. Um, I didn't really see a lot of reviews or interviews or anything about it. So I, I couldn't even really tell you what the artists themselves thought of it. Uh, that would, that might be interesting to know if anybody has any articles or documentation or anything on this album, please let me know. I would be very curious to, uh, to check that out. But for now, that's it for this week, guys. Hopefully, um, everything will come together in our schedules between my guest and I, and I'll be bringing you that double dose of podcasts, all your eye heap related next week with Lee Kerslake and Ken Hensley. Um, great albums on on all fronts. So uh, thank you guys for checking out Smoke and Fire by Screaming Lord Such or Screaming Lord Such and Heavy Friends. Not even in, and his heavy friends, just and heavy friends. It's all very strange. Smoke and Fire, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you guys have a great week. I'll see you next week for a double dose of episodes on the Haskin Cast podcast. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>